Hell is a bad vibes. I love home intruder and breaking stories because they scare me the most, but this scares me even more. What if someone's inside your house and you don't even know it? What if they're in your basement, in your attic, or in your crawl space? This gives me the heebie-jeebies, and I hope these stories will give you them too. Please hit that like button if you like the video, and sit back, relax, and enjoy. The first experience happened a few months ago. I couldn't find my house keys one evening, despite them always hanging on the hanger next to the front door. My husband, daughter, and I turned the house upside down looking for them, but nothing. My husband left me the door key and he went to work the next morning. My daughter went to school and I went to work. Arriving home at lunchtime, I let myself in the door and then went to go hang up my husband's keys on the hook next to the door. As in my habit, I literally jumped. My keys were on the hanger. The second only happened this past week. My daughter left her attic bedroom and went to go stay at her dad's house on Sunday about 3 p.m. She went from there to school on Monday morning, then got home at the house about 4.30 p.m. Monday. She went straight into her room to get changed, but came flying back downstairs with her face like thunder. You've been in my bedroom. I told her calmly that I hadn't. I mentioned her having an attic bedroom as the steps are steep and I have arthritic knees, so I wouldn't venture up there. So she believed me when I told her I hadn't. She went from furious to ashen-faced. Why? I asked. There's a little candle on my desk. Just to mention a couple of things, the candle was a small one, maybe 5 centimeters tall, and not one that could be left burning for over 24 hours. There wasn't anything in her room that could have lit the candle. No matches, lighter, or anything. No one was home except me, and I know I didn't go up there. Let me share this story about the time my mother and I discovered a homeless man living in our cottage basement. This was in February of this year, 2021. We have a cottage about 45 minutes away from my parents' main home. It's not too far from Huntsville, Ontario, if anyone wants a visual. Thing is, it's completely unfinished. The basement has no proper flooring and has a slight water leak right now. So there's plenty of fans and dehumidifiers running. As a result, one of us needs to check on the place at least once every two or three weeks to empty the dehumidifiers in the basement and make sure everything was okay. To describe the house layout a bit, the entrance of the basement is directly in front of the main entrance. It's a long skinny staircase down with a low roof, so you need to crouch on the way down. There is one crappy light bulb in the ceiling, so it's always super dark down there. There's one big room then two hallways branching off. One hallway leads to the bedroom, and the other one leads to not only a second bathroom, but also a washroom, all of which is completely unfinished and without lighting. The second hallway is much longer, and the rooms are just way off in the back corner of the basement and are completely dark. In other words, it's creepy looking. Okay, so let's get to the good part. The day it all went down, my mom and I are headed up there to empty the dehumidifier. We have some lunch and clean out some of the junk. We're slowly gutting the place. It had been nearly three weeks since we last checked up on this place. We stopped at McDonald's beforehand and each got a filet fish combo 
first time trying it and it was actually pretty tasty. We get into the place and put the food on the table, then turn the heat on. The first thing we do is run the downstairs water and check the dehumidifier. After turning on the water, we head over to the dehumidifier and notice that there's hardly any water in it. It looks as if it's only been running for a couple days. There's still a regular amount of moisture on the ground, but it was strangely empty. My mom heads upstairs and grabs her phone to text my dad and asked if he had stopped by to empty the dehumidifier recently. He said he hadn't. We were both puzzled as to why it looked so empty, but never considered that there was a third person in the house with us. After heating up our food, we sat down at the table and turned on the TV. About five minutes into our meal, we hear a massive bang downstairs, almost as if someone stubbed their toe really badly on the cupboard or something like that. We instantly jumped up and looked at each other with a freaked out look on our faces. The TV is still playing rather quietly. Then we hear the worst thing. We hear small grunts downstairs. It was unmistakable. It was a human vocal sound. My mom whispers to me, was that a person? I smirk and nod my head yes. Although it was freaky at the moment, I wasn't really taking it seriously for some reason. Looking back, it was pretty serious and this person could have been very dangerous. Grab your jacket, let's head out to the car and call the police. We gather our stuff and I grab a kitchen knife on the way. If you recall, the entrance to our basement is directly across from the main entrance to the house. So I had to peek around the corner and was fully expecting to see a person on the dark staircase. But luckily, it was just a series of stairs down into a dark abyss. Once we're out front, we jump in my car and she calls the cops immediately. Within three minutes, four cruisers show up and five cops get out. We told them what happened and they headed down the driveway. They were in the house for probably 10 minutes before the door opened. A couple of cops walked out and boom, the third cop brought out a short chubby guy with long black hair and pop bottle glasses. They brought him out handcuffed onto the front step. Another cop had a bag that looked like his belongings. We were in our car which was up the street a bit facing the other way from the entrance of the cottage but my mom turned away as he was brought up the driveway. She didn't want to get a good look at him as the whole situation was pretty unsettling for her. They loaded him in the back of one of the cruisers and took him away. One cop came over and spoke with my mom for a bit about the situation. Ultimately, my parents decided not to press charges against the guy when it was all said and done. He was just sleeping on the cold cement ground with a small rollout mattress, even though there was a proper bed upstairs. This made us think that he had been down the back hallway in the unfinished bedroom for a while. We probably walked downstairs to empty the dehumidifier and turn on and off the hot water a number of times and he was like 15 feet away from us in one of the bedrooms. He probably wasn't a bad person and I'm personally at least a bit thankful he decided to empty the dehumidifier. Hopefully he lived there for most of the colder months this past winter. We're just lucky he didn't turn into one of those crazy squatting situations. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Sorry if it was kind of anticlimactic. I was 11 at the time, living in a nice suburb area. We had recently moved into this house my parents had built and it was our first home. 
It was a really nice neighborhood. The whole family quickly made friends with a lot of the neighbors, especially the ones three doors down. They had a daughter my age, I'm male by the way, and a daughter that was five years younger, which was the same age as my sister. Our parents got along well, and we began hanging out quite a bit for barbecues or parties at their house or our house. Friendships were formed quickly and seemed to be very strong. After a year or so, I started realizing things weren't what they seemed. I remember seeing police cars at their house a few times in the evenings, and when I asked my parents what was going on, it was always nothing, just checking up on them type of answers. I was no genius, but at 11, that didn't add up. Why didn't the cops check on us? One day, I'm at their house playing, hanging out, and the daughter goes across the street to get another mutual friend, which left myself and the father alone in the house. This was really no big deal, as it happened before, but then he approached me and just seemed off. I still don't know what made me feel this way, but I was uncomfortable and started thinking about leaving. After about five minutes, he tells me he has something cool to show me. I don't remember what it was, but I think it was something about baseball cards, which I was very fond of. I excitedly started following him. He pulled the attic ladder down and asked me to follow him, which I did without hesitation at first. Something happened and I still can't process what it was. He was ahead of me on the ladder and when he looked back to help me in the attic, there was something off, something about his eyes, his face, his grin. It wasn't right. It looked evil. I could still see it clear as day and can't recognize exactly what it was that set off my alarms. Whatever it was, was plenty because I jumped off the ladder and ran out the door. I sprinted all the way home and was choking back my tears when I busted through my front door. My mom was there when I came through and could see I was obviously out of sorts and immediately started calming me down. As I come to my senses, I explain what happened. My mom was concerned with how scared I was, but mostly brushed it off as me being scared, young, and silly. Shit you not, that exact night I was woken up at around 3am. It was my mom sitting on my bed, and as I awoke, she held me like a baby. I remember how she smelled and how tightly she held me. I remember her tears hitting my cheek. I saw out the window to the neighbor's house, surrounded by police and fire trucks. The neighbor dad had killed himself and his daughter in the attic after a standoff with police. There isn't a doubt in my mind, nor my mother's, that it would have been me if I had made it all the way in. I still get chills thinking about it. For context, I was 22 years old, a female, and a senior in college. During my senior year in college, I was following a particular politician and was going to rallies and other events in my spare time. My friends and I were having a ball and we loved being involved. One particular rally I went to was in the city. My friends and I took the train in and enjoyed ourselves. On our way back to our university, I noticed a guy sitting across from us that I had recognized from campus. He was pretty cute and I remember seeing him around as we must have some mutual friends. I said hi to him and to my delight, he also recognized me. We spoke for a few minutes and I discovered we were both at the same rally. By the end of the train ride, he asked me for my phone number. 
I remember thinking, wow, a cute guy, and we have something in common. I gave him my number, but didn't think much past that. About a week later, I received a text from him. He asked me if I'm free this weekend, and if I would be interested in meeting and having a drink. This particular time was during break from school, so not too many people were around. For whatever reason, I had chose not to go home. In my naive mind at the time, I thought, great, I have the place all to myself. I meet him in our local bar, and we have a few drinks. It was pretty quiet for a Friday, as it was break time. After an hour or two, we decide to leave. I invited him back to my place for a bottle of wine and to hang out some more. He wound up staying the night and leaving in the morning. But when I woke up, for whatever reason, I had an uneasy feeling. Nothing bad had happened to me per se. I just didn't like how things had went. Not laughing or smiling the entire evening. Although he always had a drink in his hand, I realized he wasn't really drinking them. The entire evening, he was kind of shifty and nervous. The only way I can describe it is like he was on a mission and waiting for something. These were all red flags for me. I felt bad, but I just was not interested in this guy. To my relief, he didn't text me for a while after that, and I assumed that he came to the same realization that it just wasn't a good match. This was until two or three weeks later. He writes a message to me telling me that he's been busy but really wants to meet up with me this weekend and catch up. This particular weekend my sister was having a large party for her husband's birthday at their house a few towns away. A few of my friends and I were going and there was always a very large group of people at their parties, about 50 or 60. Now let me be clear, these parties are not your typical get wasted and stay up until the cops get called type of college parties. They were more of an adult type party, given that my sister's husband is fairly older than us. Don't get me wrong, there's plenty of drinking going on, and they were very fun. Just more of an adult type barbecue with day drinking. Me and my two girlfriends were going to spend the night, as I was going to drive there, but obviously we would be drinking, and the party started early at 12pm. Against my better judgment, I invited him to the party, thinking it couldn't hurt. I gave him the address and time. He seemed very interested and agreed to come. The day of the party was so fun and my friends and I were having a blast. I must admit, I did have a sinking feeling and was not looking forward to seeing the guy. Then to my absolute utter relief, I get a text from him saying that he was unable to make it. I finally could relax and enjoy the party. By about midnight, everyone is exhausted from the day of full-on drinking, and the party is winding down. Most of all the guests have gone, except my friends and a few other guys, friends of my sister's husband, who were also sleeping there, and of course my sister and her husband. My sister has one guest room, which was taken, and a fully carpeted finished basement. We had various blankets and pillows, and we're going to sleep down there on the couches, or pretty much anywhere we could lay. As I'm about to go down to the basement and get ready for sleep, the man walks through the front door. No knocking, no text, no nothing. Just confidently walks straight in the house. I don't know why, but my initial reaction was fear. I pretended to be happy to see him and gave him a small hug. I asked why he was there, to which he never gave me a real response. 
All the lights were out and everyone was gone. I was gesturing around and hinting to him that the party was over and that he had missed it. I felt bad that he had made the effort and decided to speak with him for a few minutes before I went to bed. We talked. I told him that I was going to get ready for bed and that I was sorry that he missed the party. He says, yeah, that's fine. This dude is just not getting the hint to leave. I leave the room and go to change my clothes and set myself up a bed, brush my teeth, etc. I was just hoping that he would leave, but I didn't hear any movement coming from another room. When I come back to the living room to check and see if he's actually still there, he is. He is asleep on the couch. I obviously found this strange, but just assumed that it was late and he must have been really tired. He didn't see him out of place as there were various other people sleeping at the house as well. I went to the basement and found myself a place to sleep on the floor. About 30 minutes to an hour later, I'm laying on the floor still awake, thinking about how weird it is that he showed up. It's pitch black and there's a few other people sleeping there, including my friends. I hear someone in the dark slowly coming down the stairs. I see that they're holding a cell phone light to guide them. As a figure reached the bottom of the steps, I see that it's him. Now he's never been to this house before, and I immediately think it's weird that he would randomly be walking through a house of a person he doesn't know. I pretend to be asleep. As I lay there frozen, I suddenly feel a tap on my shoulder. He doesn't say a word. He's over me and trying to wake me up. I don't move and pretend to be asleep. I lay there in the dark silence and am listening for his footsteps to walk away. I can tell he's holding the light over me. Then, with no warning, the man takes a step back and with his boots on, kicks me full force in the face. I'm not talking about a little tap of his foot to wake me up. No, full force boot kicks me directly in the face. My face goes numb. I don't know what just happened. I can feel the blood running down my nose. I open my eyes and look at him, and all I can remember is saying something like, Why did you do that? He stared at me blankly and said nothing, turned around, and walked back up the steps. I lay there paralyzed in fear. My heart was beating a million times a minute. I don't know how long it was until I garnished the courage to get up, but eventually, I army crawled it in the dark over to my friend. Another man near her wakes up as well, and I explain what happened. We're all half drunk, dazed and confused to say the least. I can't stay in the basement. I know he left, but I was so scared. My friend and the other guy offered to take me upstairs so I could sleep in my sister's room. I go into my sister's room and lay next to her bed on the floor. I shut the door behind me, but unfortunately, there was no lock. I don't know how, but eventually I fall asleep. At some point, it's now morning. I wake up to my sister leaning over. She asks, what happened to your face and why are you in my room? Right as I'm about to answer her, my friend who helped me up the night before comes flying into the room. She tells us that the guy is still there and is asleep on the couch. She runs out and I can hear her screaming at him to get up and get out. I hear him arguing back asking where I am. My friend tells him that I left and he begins arguing that he knows that my car is still there. I have no idea how he knew which car was mine, as he had never seen it before. He also mentions that I hadn't taken my purse, but eventually he leaves. 
He wrote me a message a few days later, as if nothing happened, asking me to hang out again. I blocked him and never heard from him again after that. I graduated only two months later and thankfully never saw him on campus again. To this day, I have no idea why he kicked me in the face and how he had the balls to stay after that. I have learned my lesson about giving my number out. Creepy basement kicker, let's not meet. I grew up on an island in Alaska and lived on the same property since birth to high school graduation. Our house was two stories and the downstairs had a bathroom, furnished room, storage room, entryway, and a rec room. One of the walls had some plywood pieces so we could feed the extension cords through into our crawl space. We have a C-shaped driveway that you could enter on one side and then park in the carport or just drive forward to the exit. The crawl space consisted of two big water tanks because we caught our own rainwater. We also used the area for storage. This space was 10 by 15, but only three feet high. You had to lift the cover up to get into the water tanks. You could only enter the crawl space from one side of the house. It was a two by two door that we kept a master lock on, but never actually locked it. Our dog named Brewster had an area on the side of the house as well. It was a big fenced-in area, his own stairway and porch, which was half-covered, and he had a doghouse. Brewster was a Weimaraner chocolate lab mix who weighed 130 pounds. He was a fantastic dog who only barked when necessary. During the summer, we had black bears in our yard most nights, and Brewster would give them a quick bark to get them on their way. We know his barks. There was four of us in my family. My parents, myself, and my older brother, who is two years older and has Down syndrome. My brother was in special education at school, and there were other kids who would come into the same room, but just once in a while throughout the day because they had a smaller disability and were able to keep up in some general classes. But some of the kids had discipline or mental illness. My brother was loved by the kids at school, and everyone knew him. One day, a native kid that was about 15 came to our door and wanted to play with Travis. We thought it was odd because Travis has moderate downs and he didn't really like playing with other kids. He liked watching kids play. Travis likes watching movies and listening to music. My mom asked the kid what his name was and he said his name was Mark and that Travis knew him from junior high the prior year. He would go in Travis's classes sometimes for help with his schoolwork. I remember him staring at me a little too much and he didn't seem like someone who was mentally challenged. My mom let him come in but kept a watchful eye on him. Travis seemed like he didn't want him there and my mom told Mark that we were having dinner soon and told him it was time for him to go. My mom found out that he had moved into our area we lived in but is still a little ways away. He had been in foster care most of his life as his parents were abusive addicts. I think he came over another time and my mom felt bad for him, but she felt something was off. She felt like he was coming over because of me. My mom politely told him that Travis didn't really want to have visitors and he seemed to be okay with that and never came over again. My parents went to a church service on Wednesday evenings and would be gone a couple hours. I would stay home with Travis 
At the time, I was 11 and he was 13. I started helping out in the church nursery when I was 9, and when I turned 11, my best friend and I took a babysitting course, which included CPR and first aid. We would babysit together, and at the age of 12, started babysitting on our own. My mom was a homemaker and was always home, except for church service on Wednesday. My parents didn't drink, do drugs, or smoke. I can only remember my parents going out a few times where we needed a babysitter. I would leave the downstairs door unlocked for my parents when they were only going to be gone for a couple hours. I was expecting them home in a half hour and was surprised when I heard the downstairs door open and thought I must have not heard their car pull up. Travis was up past his bedtime so I quietly got Travis into his bedroom and get him into bed. I start walking through the kitchen to the top stairs and I call out, Mom? Dad? I hear the footsteps stop, looking down the stairs and I can see men's work boots and jeans. This isn't my parents. The way the stairs were set up, you could only see the bottom half of someone without actually descending the stairs. I am scared to death and I run up to Travis who was going down the hall and I grabbed him and dragged him into my parents bedroom because that was the only room that locks, has a phone and rifles. Down's kids are very stubborn so my brother just wants to go into his room but I get him to sit down on the bed. I'm trying to keep him in the room while grabbing a gun and trying to call my neighbor. I can still hear him walking downstairs. My neighbor answers the phone immediately and I whisper that someone is in my house and I'm scared. She told me to come out onto the front porch and that she'll be there. I get the courage and I run to the door to get outside. Thankfully, she's in our driveway and she has her hound dog with her. She lets me know she's going to enter the house through the downstairs. She disappears from sight but comes back quickly and tells me that the door is locked so she makes her way up the stairs. She gets to the top of the stairs when we hear the downstairs door open and the crunching of the gravel as the intruder is running off. She lets go of her dog's leash and the dog chased the person into the woods. The dog came back 10 minutes later and our neighbor sat with us until my parents got home. The police were never called because I think my parents assumed it was a neighborhood boy screwing with me. We lived in a pretty safe place where you just had to worry about bears and the occasional wolf. A week after this incident, our dog would bark 15 minutes after we went to bed every night. We would look out our window and never saw anything. We figured it was bears because it was springtime and Brewster was probably getting used to them again. A couple months and the barking was still going on. I had one of my best friends stay the night and we would always stay in the downstairs so we could be louder and stay up as late as we liked. Kay had a brother who was 7 years older and we asked him if he would bring us some booze. I know we were young but that was a normal thing for our town. Kids started drinking, smoking, having sex in middle school because of the boredom I think. We got 13 feet of rain this year so we'd be inside a lot. It was a little after midnight and her brother never showed up. Bruiser never barked that night either. We were sitting on the stairs braiding each other's hair and we both got a feeling like someone was looking at us and we looked over and the guy was staring into the window. We ran upstairs in a panic. We thought maybe it was her brother but he wouldn't have came to the window to spy on us and the face seemed too dark to be his. 
We had the lights on in the downstairs, and there were no lights by the window, so it was hard to tell who it was. We didn't want to wake up my parents just in case it was her brother. We waited 30 minutes and went back down to grab our stuff and went to sleep in my bedroom for the night. The next day we talked to her brother, and it wasn't him. That night, Brewster was back to the barking again. Two more months go by, and I had gone to bed. I heard Brewster bark, and I looked out my window. As usual, didn't see anything. I just dozed back off when I woke up to Brewster barking frantically. I look out my window, and I see this guy running out of our driveway. I thought about waking up my parents, but we had a trail on the side of our house that kids used to use. The neighborhood was on the side of a mountain, so all the kids used the trails to go straight through to another road instead of using the main roads. I had never seen someone coming out of that part of the driveway because a trail was on the south side of the house along with the crawl space and Brewster's area. My room was the only one on the north side. I decided to go back to sleep and I was tossing and turning. Fifteen minutes go by and I smell smoke. I go to the hall and I smell a lot stronger and it starts to get hazy in Travis's room which was directly across from mine. I scream. Fire! Fire! Wake up! My parents are up and Travis doesn't want to get out of bed, but thank God for the strength of adrenaline. We get outside and flames are pouring outside of the crawl space. We get Brewster out of his enclosure and the neighbors all come out to help us. The firemen were there rather quickly. The fire had destroyed the crawl space and my parents and Travis's bedroom because they were directly over the crawl space. The firemen got the fire out thankfully, and no one was physically hurt. This was one of the scariest nights of my life though. I will always remember the fire chief kneeling down to speak to me after he talked to my parents, and he said, Melinda, we believe it was arson. I looked at him with tears streaming down my face, and I say in anger, who was arson? Everyone started to laugh so hard. And I'm thinking, how is this funny? That damn arson could have killed my family. So he explained what arson was. I'm still friends with the old fire chief's son, and I share this story with him often because his father passed away from cancer when we were teens. His father is the only happy memory I have of the horrific night. The island I grew up in had a city and a village out south. We lived out south, but before the village. We had firemen from out south, north, and the city. We had state troopers for the island and city cops in the city limits. My mom took my brother and I to a family friend's house and my dad dealt with the fire officials and the state troopers showed up later. After the investigation, my family, neighbors, and firemen pieced together that a person had been living in our crawl space for at least four months. We know he purposely set the house on fire. He used a box of matches. My mom said the first odd thing she noticed that night was a small sulfur. We also know who did it. It was Mark. His uncle was the first fireman who showed up to our house and saw him standing near our driveway watching. My mom had told him my description of what the person was wearing that I saw fleeing out of our house and it was what Mark was wearing. Behind our house near the crawl space area, my dad found where he hung out when he wasn't in the crawl space. There were a bunch of cigarette butts, cans of soda, 
which were also found in the crawlspace. But because our crawlspace door was unlocked, our insurance company wouldn't have to pay for the repairs. Because of our water tanks, the space was supposed to be locked, so my parents never said anything to the police, and the firemen never said anything. By pursuing this, we could not have had a home, a house my father had built. It took four months for our house to be repaired, and it smelled like an ozone, even years later. What bothers me the most is knowing that he had seen me and my friends undress numerous times while changing in our rec room during tons of sleepovers. We had set up shop right next to the plywood with holes drilled through. He had listened to all our secrets. I never explained to my friends that he had seen us and heard us during sleepovers because I didn't want them to feel sick to their stomachs like I did and still do. I still have issues when it comes to being home alone. I can't sleep if I'm the only adult in the house. I keep the volume on everything very low. I am scared to shower. I like to be able to see the front door and I have night terrors to this day and I am 34 now. I've been dealing with anxiety since the fire and panic attacks since I was 18. Just recently I was diagnosed with PTSD. When the intruder was in his 20s, he was caught burning down a few houses and put in jail. All of my childhood toys were stored in that crawlspace, along with a lot of our family's sentimental possessions. Edit. I hope I answered some of your questions you guys had. I sat down and spoke with my parents and they reminded me of things I'd forgotten or didn't know of. I thought that our house fire was pictured on the front page of the newspaper, but my parents don't recall that. My father has Parkinson's disease and his dementia has gotten a lot worse this past year. I was only 11 when this happened and I think there are more things that happened but that I have blocked out. It's like I have this memory but it's so far away that I can't see it clear enough. I'm learning that with PTSD you block things out to protect yourself. This happened in the summer of 2010 when I was entering my teenage years. My family took a trip to a really nice hotel in the city. I can't really remember why we decided to take the trip, but I remember a lot of family friends coming with us and staying in adjacent rooms. I never asked my parents and it's not really important to the story. To preface, I'm a bit of a scaredy cat and always have been. I'm a pretty skinny, fragile kid so I get spooked pretty easily, even now. This, however, was almost definitely not me freaking myself out like I normally did. Looking back, I'm incredibly lucky I trusted my instincts. The hotel had a strange design to it. The lobby was actually on the fourth floor, not the bottom floor, which I found strange. To access the lobby, you had to use the elevator. There was no way to get to it from the stairs. This information would have been nice before everything happened, as you'll find out. The hotel was organized in a square shape. Every floor was lined with a balcony, and you could look down into the lobby and cafe area from your floor. Essentially, if you were walking into your room, you could be seen from anyone that was on your floor if they just happened to step out of their room and look around. I always was afraid to fall over the balcony and sail eight stories down to my death, but they were high enough to a point where I wasn't too concerned for my safety. 
The first day or two was nice. My friend and I hung out and played cards all day or watched whatever was on the TV. At night, we would explore the halls of the hotel and tell each other ghost stories. It was a really fun time, even though I didn't fully understand why we were there. On the third day though, things got strange fast. I woke up to the sound of screaming coming from outside of my door. Now, because of this hotel's design, I mentioned, the sounds from the lobby would echo all the way up to the top of the building. So when I walked outside to investigate, I immediately looked over the balcony to see what the commotion was about. I saw a girl laying on the ground, eggs and milk splattered everywhere around her. People were rushing to help her, and I heard a couple people telling each other to call 911. It seemed like the girl was unconscious. Maybe she had passed out or something. I scanned the lobby and saw that my family and a couple of our friends were at the lobby getting breakfast, all staring at the event in front of them. I decided to rush down there to meet them to find out what happened. The elevator was on the opposite side of the floor, so I took the stairwell located right next to the room. We were on the 7th or 8th floor, so I only had to take about 4 flights down. Not a big deal. I descended for a little while looking for the number 4 on the wall or for the letter L. I passed floor 5, ready to find the door to the lobby. I took two more flights of steps before realizing that there hadn't been a door on the 4th floor, nor had there been a door to the 3rd or 2nd. Now at this point, I probably should have just turned back, but I continued down because I was tired and didn't want to climb back up. There are some weird side hallways that went into pitch black areas with a bunch of piping and wiring and though I was curious to explore, I passed them by. I quickly hit the bottom floor, a dimly lit and cold room with cinder block walls and concrete floors. In front of me was a set of double doors. I hesitated at first but assumed that it was just another way back to the lobby so I opened them and entered. Behind the doors was a massive warehouse type room, probably the size of a smaller basketball arena. The only light coming in was from a stairwell behind me, so I really wasn't able to see much. The stairs were stacked and covered with plastic wrap, tables lined the wall, and in the distance I could see some boxes stacked and aligned against the wall as well. It was probably the storage room for the hotel. I looked around and saw an elevator in the back of the room, so I made my way towards it. I closed the door to the stairwell and began to walk in the dim light. The room was super muggy and dusty, and it seemed like no one had been down there in a long time. As I got closer to the elevator, I noticed it was a little bit bigger than the elevators in the lobby and other floors. I pressed the up button, but got no response. There's a card swiper next to the button. Must have been for employees only. I turned back towards the stairwell doors, making my way past the chairs and tables along the wall. When I got to the door, I gave it a tug. Locked, of course. This is when things started to hit me, and I realized that I was stuck in a dark, dusty basement of a hotel. I didn't have a phone, because my parents won't let me get one until I graduated middle school, so I couldn't call anyone. Everyone likely assumed I was still asleep in the room, so I began to freak out, believing that no one was going to be looking for me. I searched around the warehouse, looking for other ways out. Some of the areas of this place were better lit than others, so I looked around the areas I could see in first before starting on the darker side of the room. 
There was one other set of doors that I found, but it happened to be locked as well. I began to cry, scared that no one would ever find me in the basement. I swear it felt like hours, but I think only a handful of minutes had passed before I heard the door creak open. It wasn't the main door from the stairwell, rather the second door that I had found. A slim, middle-aged man in a lab coat came out of the doors. Now, if this was 21-year-old me seeing this man, I would have been very confused as to why this guy was wearing a lab coat in a hotel. I was only 12 or 13 at the time, so I was immediately relieved at the sight of an adult who looked smart. I approached him, tears in my eyes, and he immediately looked surprised to see me, as you would expect. What are you doing down here? I got lost on my way down to the lobby, and I've been locked in here. Do you have a key? I was shaking, eager to get out of there. He didn't answer my question, and instead he said, I know the way out of here, follow me. He began to walk towards the doors with the stairwell, and I followed, relieved that someone had finally come to save me. We approached the doors, and I began to reach out for the handle, but he continued walking. Isn't it right here? I asked. I will never forget the look on his face when I said that. He looked nervous, and though it was dim, I could see sweat glistening from his forehead and behind his glasses. No, it's this way. I continued to follow, but I was now nervous myself. We had passed the door to the stairs, and now we were headed towards the darker side of the basement, away from the elevator. He looked like he had no clue where he was leading me and kept checking around him, almost as if he was taking in the surroundings for the first time. We turned a corner and he began walking towards the boxes. A dead end. I immediately froze, realizing that something was very, very wrong. This guy had no idea where he was going, nor did he appear to work for the hotel. I said, okay, where are we going? He turned around and said, this way. Just follow me. I knew that there was no doors behind those boxes. I had checked there first after I found out the stairwell door was locked. I want to thank whatever God is up there for giving me the idea I had next. I started yelling as loud as I could. I yelled so loud that I gave myself a headache. The man, irritated, plugging his ears, began yelling back at me. What are you doing? Be quiet. I continued to yell. I didn't even remember how long I was yelling. Finally, the man snapped and began quickly walking towards me. I went in a full sprint towards the stairwell doors, hoping to God that they would somehow magically open now. He didn't run after me. He walked sternly behind me, muttering things like, Stupid fucker, and other kinds of compliments. I was about five feet from the door when someone burst through. My savior, a janitor, who had heard someone screaming from the stairwell. He saw the situation, me and some random guy in a lab coat, in a locked basement, and immediately told me to get behind him. The janitor asked me who the man was. I said I had no idea that he had came through the doors on the other side of the room and pointed to the door. The janitor quickly radioed into the front desk that he had found a child in the basement and quietly, so that I wouldn't hear, he said, this man came from outside, get security, or something like that. The man in the lab coat started trying to argue with the janitor, claiming that he was simply looking for the bathroom. 
The janitor clearly wasn't buying it and kept saying things like, wait till security gets here and then talk to them about it. I was standing behind him the whole time, trying to take in what was happening, confused out of my mind. Eventually, an employee from the front desk arrived and took me back up the steps to the lobby where I met my family, who surprisingly had no idea I was missing. I told them the story while crying and shaking, and they hugged me tightly, thanking the employee over and over again for their help. I never got to thank the janitor, though. Looking back now, I have absolutely no clue what this man was doing in the basement. I don't have any information as to what happened afterwards, or who he was. I know for a fact that the incident with the girl in the lobby was unrelated. Something about low blood sugar. Not sure. I thought about that day a lot, and the only explanation I could put together is that the door that I had found in the basement led to the streets of the city, where he must have wandered in from. I have no clue what his intentions were, why he was wearing a lab coat, or why he chose to pretend he knew the way out. To be frank, this could have been a huge misunderstanding of some sort, and I just chose a real bad time to get lost. But all I know for sure is that if I hadn't screamed my lungs out, I might not be telling you the story the same way, or at all. When I was 15, I had a room in the attic of our house. We weren't really well off after my dad left, and my mom was an alcoholic who was never really home, so I'm basically alone in my house on the top floor. The windows were skylight type that squeaked when open. The first night, I opened the windows to get air, and the squeak alerted people in my back garden. They ran off, two kids, two adults. I thought nothing of it until it happened two nights in a row, around 11pm. The last night, I left my window open and spent the whole night peeking out the gap. I see a family entering the shed. I shouted at them, and they ran. Sometime later, I was going downstairs for a drink, and I saw a man looking through my window in the dining room, face against my window, and hands cupped. I shit my pants and locked the door. Later, I was camped by my window in my room. Again, I saw him enter my pantry. I crept downstairs and unscrewed one of the legs on my table, crept out to the pantry, and screamed like a banshee, chased him off. Poor guy was asleep in front of the tumbler, Stole food for however long he was there for. Probably homeless. Let's not meet, dude. Hopefully you got yourself sorted, though. This is a short story, and while it might not seem too creepy now, I was terrified to my 8-year-old self. The home I grew up in was in Long Island, New York, and the basement is lined on one side with small windows probably about three feet by one foot, rectangular, with sliding glass panes on them. The house was built during World War II, so it was made of what they had at the time. Normally, we would have curtains on the inside of the windows, so no one could see in. This particular day, however, my mom had washed them and hadn't put them back up yet. Anyway, I was sitting playing Mario 3 on my NES when I got a distinct feeling I was being watched or someone was there. I look over my shoulder to the window and I see an outline of someone's face. Once they notice me looking at them, they knock on the window really loudly, vigorously waved at me, and then bolt off. 
hopping over the neighbor's fence into the adjacent yard. Needless to say, I left my NES on and noped my way out as fast as possible. The next day, my NES was moved upstairs to the family room and I still make sure the curtains are on if I'm ever down in the basement. My fiance and I recently moved into a new apartment. This is our second lease with the same apartment complex, but we switched buildings, layouts, and all that. We've had some pretty weird stuff happen. First, we are the only ones in our area. We have the top floor, corner apartment, and only share the landing, set of stairs, with one apartment. The apartment across from our front door, which is currently empty. Thus, the only structure we shared with anyone is our floor or ceiling. Almost on a nightly basis, my fiance would hear sounds that almost sounded like an electrical current. I've never quite heard anything like it before. It's not static. It's a constant sound. It seems to come from the corner near the side of my bed. It's only heard after 8 p.m. and it's gone when we wake up. We recently had maintenance check on it with no explanation. We even called a third party electrician who after calling in for an extra opinion had no explanation for it either. The only thing I have plugged in is a new fully functional lamp which as far as I could tell is not associated with the sound. It's been three months and we hear it almost every night. It keeps me up sometimes, it's so loud. That was the first thing. Now, for the past week or so, I've been hearing shuffling, footsteps, things falling directly above my bedroom, literally as if there are people up there. It's distinct and unmistakable. I thought maybe it was maintenance at first, but late at nights, four hours, almost nightly? Last night, I stayed up later than my fiancé. When the sound started, huge thumps and footsteps all over the place. I couldn't keep it to myself anymore. This morning, I broached the subject with my fiancé. Hey, you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but last night did you hear... My fiancé cuts in. The banging around? Yeah, it was above us. I wasn't actually asleep. I was listening. So now, we don't know what to do. We don't even know anyone else in our building, so we don't know why anyone would prank us or something. Even then, how could they get in the attic of our building? Could this be some little critter who got in? Could the electrical sound be someone trying to run electricity up there? Has anyone had something similar happen? I'm considering asking management to check it out, but I don't want them to think we're crazy. And at the same time, I don't want to find out that there's people living above us. Lastly, I realize my dog won't sleep on our bed anymore. She always crawls underneath it. Maybe she's getting the heebie-jeebies from whoever's making the sound. Update. Saturday, July 13th. I had some friends come over last night and told them about the situation. They looked at the attic entrance and thought it was possible that someone could be up there and thought the tape test was smart. I wasn't listening for the Z sounds because by the time I actually got to bed, it was very late and I wasn't paying attention. Update 2, Friday, July 19th. I neglected to mention this whole time that I've been in bed with mono and now a stomach virus. So when I haven't been asleep, I've been listening to the sounds, but I didn't hear anything all week. 
I waited to send the email because I wanted to confirm the sounds with myself so I wouldn't feel silly going to the landlord. But last night, I went to sleep at 9.30, slept all through the night, no problems, no sounds. This morning, my fiancé said he was startled awake at 3 a.m. by the sounds above us. He said it was very distinct walking. Our dog was watching the ceiling intently as well. He said then he heard a really loud thud against the front door, like someone threw a baseball at it. So I sent the email to my landlord, and she called right away, as I'm typing this, and told me there's no reason for anyone to be up there, but sometimes squirrels will get into the building, so she'll send someone. I also noticed today that there are fingerprints, like greasy black prints, all over the attic door panel. Landlord called during the above bit, Asked me to elaborate about the sounds my fiance and I heard, but he was at work, so I didn't have much for her. She called a few minutes after I sent the email, which is interesting, because usually it takes them days to get back to you. Update 4 Monday, July 22nd While I'm in class, two maintenance workers come to investigate the attic. Told to me by my fiance, he said he looked through the people and the maintenance workers had a ladder. He said he could hear them walking around up there, and it sounds exactly like what we've been hearing all along. The maintenance guy leaves. We get an email from the landlord. It reads, I spoke with a maintenance supervisor today about your building, and I have some info to relay to you. A couple of our guys went and investigated the attic, looking for evidence of critters and evidence of ports of entry. They were unable to find evidence of an animal, but they found a loose vent cover that was being banged around and making quite a bit of noise, so they went ahead and fixed that vent and made it secure. It went on to say, if we hear anything else, to please let them know right away. I replied back a week later, saying that we're still hearing the noises, and it sounds the same as before. She thanked me for the information and said it was strange. That she was going to send a copy of the email to the general manager to look at it and see what he thinks. Welp, now what? So maybe if it was a little critter, its home was disturbed by maintenance and it left. The vet excuse doesn't cut it for me because it doesn't explain the shift in movement as if someone was moving around the area. A loose vent might explain the banging sounds but not what we've experienced, as far as I'm concerned. If it starts up again, I'm gonna do the tape experiment. Last update, Tuesday, July 30th. I emailed my landlord back about some non-related repairs, but based on the vagueness of the vent situation, I'm gonna email her again to ask her to elaborate on where the vent was, how big it is, etc. I told my fiance to record anything he hears at night with his phone, but this is a man that still uses the response, I'm still waking up, an hour after he's been awakened, so I'm not going to bake on him having his wits about him when he's actually awoken by the sounds. 